it's not even that this episode came out in October of 2005. Because there were good shows that came out in 2005, allegedly. Doctor Who. Like, what's up with this episode? This specific episode? What's up with this one? <laughs> we should do our opening and then dive into it. I'm not gonna lie to you, James. Yeah. Do we have an opening? Isn't it the whole, like, hey, do you want to record the podcast? Oh, I'd love to. Is that too? Are we done with that? I don't, I didn't, honestly, I'm not gonna lie to you. My brain has been wiped of everything that we've done before. That is so fucking funny. <laughs> I am a blank slate. <laughs> My depression breakdown happened and I am just blank. A whole new person. James, do you want to talk about season one, episode three of Criminal Minds, Won't Get Fooled Again? I would love to do that. And you know what, B? We have a podcast that we can do that on. Whoa! Is it, an, is it a media experience that people are listening to right now? Wowza! <laughs> yep! <laughs> it's a media experience, all right, and it's called Wheels Up, and it's a Criminal Minds podcast. I'm pointing at the screen even though it is an audio medium. <laughs> Heck yeah, finger guns. Pew, 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 pew. Welcome to Wheels Up, a Criminal Minds podcast. I'm James. And I'm B. Hell yeah. And this is season one, episode three, Won't Be Fooled Again. Pow, pow, pew, 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 pew. You know, like that vine sound, the vine sound. Pew, 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 pew. Do you want to know how 2005 this episode is mm -hmm. adrian bale at one point they need to like get into his like email <laughs> and they sent him an email that literally says xx sexy teen looking for inmate xx and he clicks it and he opens it <laughs> and that's how they get into his computer <laughs> trying to be like i guess it's like specific enough like it says like inmate you know so he can be like okay they know i'm in prison but like any email that begins with xx and is not from like your middle school bestie don't click on that shit <laughs> especially because gideon has already been to talk to him Okay. Yeah, this Gideon... is after an FBI agent has come to talk to you, and you're just like, let me just click on any old email in my email inbox. Bro, what? What? Like, if, if I was this, like, super mega mind, the best bomber ever dude, and, like, the man who put me behind bars, who I beat but did still arrest me came to me and was like, hey, somebody's copying you, we're onto you, we're watching you, on the computer, we're looking at you, we know you're talking to people. And then I get an email that's like, ooh, sexy teen looking for inmate. There's no way I'm clicking on that. It's so... <laughs> this is why I love early criminal minds, because they just do that and expect you to be like, yeah, this is how a criminal would like go down. Like, no, homie. Also, I have a note that just says Morgan has two cell phones he, on he his belt. He has two phones! He has two phones! And then when he needs to call Gideon and the rest of the team, he goes to a landline. He has two phones and he goes to a landline. He walks out of the room with his two phones on his belt and goes to a fucking landline! You know, you know, I bet he was like, out of minutes. Was that a thing in 2005? On both of his phones? Is it the 31st of the month? <laughs> oh no i had to so go funny. on and i didn't take notes with this episode because i did just watch it while laying in my bed uh like minutes before we started this recording but i had to open up the google docs page to write down that note because i was like this is incredible this is yeah. the best thing i've ever seen on criminal minds this tv show 
Yeah, Garcia on her DS with the fucking stylist. Yeah. Morgan Two Belts McGee calling from a landline. <laughs> Them sending phishing emails. It like so, two thousand and five. <laughs> Also, the way they end up catching the unsub is like, okay, Adrian Bale opens the email, they get onto the computer, he visits six porn sites, and then he goes to a chat room, Mm -hmm. and they're like, how do we figure out, like, who this guy is? You know, like, who would the guy be? And so they're like, look. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, how do we do this? So they're like, okay, well, what's the information they have to fill out? You know, and the information that they fill out is just, like, screen name. That's it. And they're like, no, this unsub, he's a narcissist. So uh, he's going to put his occupation in there. And he does. He puts antiquities dealer. But, like, the the other people are, like, gardener. Truck driver. Retail employee. Truck driver. Orderly. And then antiquities like, dealer. Like, yeah, like, so all these people, like... like step above. Like, anybody who uses the word antiquities, I'm like, okay, so you're either rich and crazy or just crazy. And that's fine. Yeah. If you use the word antiquities, yeah. you're on thin ice with me. I'm sorry. But that I'm, I'm right. Yeah. I'm right to think that. Yes. Yes. Okay, so let's let's summarize the case so we can go back to talking like this. Um, two bombs go off in Palm Beach, and the team gets not- notified of it because it, is it a terrorist? Is it not a terrorist? We don't know. JJ comes in in her iconic pink blazer, the iconic JJ pink blazer, and is like, "Look at the television. I hold the remote. I'm in charge." And <laughs> yeah. the news is happening, and then boom. On live television, another bomb. Oh, no. Boom, boom, boom. Now they have to go to Palm Beach. Yeah. <laughs> so they go. They're, like, talking to people. You know, big deal. And Morgan stays behind to reconstruct the bomb. And I think this is the only time in the show where Garcia is like, no, I don't have anything to do. I'll hang out with you while you rebuild this bomb. <laughs> She's really just, like, hanging out, playing her little Nintendo DS. And while Morgan's doing actual work, and nobody else needs her for anything, apparently. So she's literally just pacing like, around, playing her little Nintendo DS. And I'm like, I love this for you. Yes, you work at a law enforcement institution. Yes, you should play your DS while on the clock. You go, queen. Any other time we see her... She is, like, up to her ears at work. She's like, no, I don't have four other teams to be helping. Fuck you guys. I've got so much work, but yeah, I'll do it because I love you. This Garcia is just like, what's up, bomb? I'm going to sit down now. Like, nothing to do. I'm going to have a very fancy and well-prepared lunch in the break room instead of just eating, like, takeout in front of a computer like I do for the rest of the show. Oh, yeah. It's... Did you? That's a weird sequence that they had, right? Like that was definitely somebody's fetish, where they're like, "I want to see this woman eat a well-prepared lunch." This was definitely somebody's she, fetish. She doesn't even eat it. Eat the lunch. She puts the sandwich in her mouth. <laughs> yeah, and also that sequence lasts two seconds. She like organizes her lunch, goes to eat it. And he's like, help me. And she makes some comments. She's like, oh, I haven't slept more than four hours in the past two days. But I guess now I won't eat either. When, like, future Garcia is like, what the fuck is sleep? <laughs> Literally. She's just like, I haven't slept this week. I guess I won't eat either. And that's just, like, a line that they just, like, let happen. And they just let you sit with that one for a second. And then they're like, anyway help <laughs> that's it they're going through paper records of emails that spencer forwarded there oh my god one million percent like oh. that is the one thing you could have used garcia's computer skills for this episode and instead they had Derek kill a forest and print off some fucking emails like what and then not just that but later on it like becomes a running joke that Spencer likes things printed. 
Like they make fun of him for, hey, he's like, hey, can you print this website for me so I can read it? And everyone's like, well, Spencer needs things printed. When like right here in the first season, Derek is like, yeah, I printed 200 emails for you to read. Like, Congratulations. This is what? this is emails from the desk of the man who opened up XX Hot Sexy Teen for Inmate XXX. Do you want to read what else he's got? <laughs> what other gems are in here? Like, bro! <laughs> bro! In this episode, the first two episodes feel like Criminal Minds, and the rest of the season does too, but this episode, there's just something about this particular episode that feels like a different show like i feel like this is where they start trying to like put in that kind of like workplace comedy thing yeah they start trying to flesh out the characters and it's lovable but this episode just feels like they didn't quite know how to strike that balance that they do later in later seasons uh this episode they're like here's a bomber also, here's Garcia and Morgan having a good little workplace banter session. But here's a bomber. And that's like, it just abruptly <laughs> goes from one to the other. And you're like, okay, I mean, like, I guess this is what we're doing now, I guess. I think one of the reasons it feels so weird is because in the first two episodes, Derek, like, only exists to question Gideon, right? He's, like, the only one that's like, maybe Gideon needs, like, more time off. He has PTSD. And now suddenly, like, that's not his role anymore. Like, he does that at the beginning of the episode. But then the rest of the episode is him just, like, being a dude. And they're like, wait, we don't know who Morgan is. We made him that suspicious guy. What do we do if he's not suspicious? Yeah, they really, yeah. No, that's exactly it. You've hit the nail on the head. Is They were trying to figure out who the fuck Derek Morgan is outside of being suspicious of Gideon. And, like, I get that that's, like, Obviously, right, they had a big season arc planned for this character, right? Obviously they did. To sell a TV show, you have a fleshed out characters. But this one was just like, yeah. it felt like they were just like running around desperately like, who is it? Who, who is he? Who is this guy? What does he do? What's his deal? And they're just like, he was in the ATF. Perfect. And they were just like throwing darts at never a mentioned again ever. what sticks. And then they never mention it again. And it's just like, are you like all good? Like, what's the first season of criminal minds good uh, i can i okay, okay okay here's what i think i think the first couple seasons i'll say the first all of gideon's episodes were written to cater to fans of this style of television show mm-hmm. and then at some point the people involved in criminal minds the actors the writers the crew, all of them, suddenly go, you know what? We're better than this. And that's when the show, probably season like four, just starts going off the rails. And that's when you start getting that good, good criminal minds fucking nonsense is when they're like, we don't need to do this. We don't need this. We're better than this. But season one, they're very much like, people really like SVU. So we're going to do that as well. It's, and that's just yeah. how what Criminal Minds is. No, you're correct. And it also, I feel like it coincides with like, Jason Gideon is a procedural guy, right? Jason Gideon yes. is like, just like form wise, like big picture TV form wise. Jason Gideon is a perfect character to make a procedural around. And that's what they did. And then he left. <laughs> And then they got David Rossi, who's a weird pasta dad. And they're like, this guy, <laughs> this guy's not a procedural Papa guy. Pasta. This guy is like, they're like, this guy, this guy says like weird one-liners about foxes and rabies and has like seven ex-wives. And he's not Happy a procedural Happy Wednesday, my nerds. Yeah, literally. Like they were just like, they got david rossi who is like a funky pasta grandpa and they're like this show doesn't need to be a procedural because you lose out on a lot of david rossi's greatness if it's a procedural and i think that's kind of like when that shift happened is when they were like maybe we don't need to be a procedural maybe we can be like a workplace comedy but also tell stories about serial killers (laughs) it's like it's like when emily prentice joins mid-season two you start getting some of that like 
fun times, going to the bar, girls' night, mm-hmm. talking about our lives. Aren't we all just like big nerds? And then Gideon leaves. And that's like the last vestiges of like dignified procedural. And then who replaces him but Papa Pasta, who's just like, yeah, I used to be a procedural, but now I'm a cool dad. And it's gone. You're gone. You've lost it. That's the criminal minds we know and love. And that's so fun. (laughs) That he's just like. That's so fun. I love that for them. I love that a show that went on for 15 fucking years. There are 15 seasons of this show. 15 seasons. This show is older than some high schoolers. Y'all. Oh, okay. I don't like that. I'm sorry, (laughs) but it has to be said, right? But like 15 fucking seasons, right? And they were like, in season like three or four, they were like, let's not be a procedural show anymore. And there's like, okay. And then everybody went with that for like 11 more seasons. What? It's, it's amazing. Because sometimes they do slip back into that procedural. Like the whole like Mr. Scratch thing was very like, you know, weird arc on SVU kind of thing. Yeah. But then the rest of the show is just nonsense. It's like all the actors like showed up for their first day of school and were like, yeah, we're cool. We're with it. We got it. Everyone be normal. Be normal. Shush. Be normal. And then they had like a bunch of sleepovers where they like got drunk and like accidentally like made out in a hot tub. And then they came back to school for sophomore year and were like, okay, why don't we just do that the whole time? Like, what are we doing? That's criminal minds. And then it just gets worse and worse and worse because by like season like 12, when Emily comes back, the, you know, and stays, they've known each other for 12 fucking years. Yeah. Like, you put those idiots on a set together, and they're like, what up, <laughs> besties? Literally. And I think that's why this episode feels different than the rest of season one. Yes. Because this episode feels like it's something that would be in a later season it's just like with the first season characters it feels like a weird like character building exercise for gideon but also for like but also like in a weird way for like derek and for penelope this was sort of like their little like buddy cop movie moment and they were just like vibing in a conference room and i think that's why this episode feels tonally so different than the first two we watch is that like it's just like hey fuck it you know, fuck it. <laughs> it's it's because the characters they like if it had been like Morgan and Reed or like JJ and L, it would have been a different vibe. But the fact that it was like Shamar and Kirsten in a conference room talking about building bombs and playing on this fucking DS. Yeah, it's that that spark of criminal minds nonsense that we love just a a a little bit drop of that drop of the criminal minds nonsense in what is (laughs) by all accounts a very good episode for like building backstory and so this this episode by the way if we haven't talked about it this is a big gideon episode where he like gets to confront his past in a very real way. And we see how he's learned and grown. And then Penelope Garcia is playing on a Nintendo DS while building a bomb. Like, you know, it's just like, (laughs) it feels so totally whack that I love it dearly. Like, I had a good time watching this episode, which can't be said for the first few episodes. (laughs) I also love that we get our first example of false Garcia backstory. Because love it changes like eight times. <laughs> yeah, it's like what actually like, is what actually happened to her. But she she asks him about like the bomb, makes some joke, and Derek is like, "Why did you even join the FBI?" And she says, "I didn't get into med school." And he says, "That doesn't surprise me." And she says, "That's what my father said." So a couple of things here. One hilarious her dad dunks on her two uh she doesn't have a dad she has a stepdad right which i mean yes adoption real parents 100 but she only ever refers to him she only ever refers to him as my stepdad after this but this episode it's my dad right and then two straight up as if it's the truth 
she didn't join the FBI. Or she joined the FBI because she didn't get into med school, which we know from so many other reasons, not the truth. Not the truth. Also, it's so funny because with the revisionist history they do later, you know that Derek knows that too. Derek was there when she was recruited into the FBI. He knows that that is false. And <laughs> I love this revisionist history so much because I just yeah. think it's so stupid. Like It's so stupid. Watch, it's such a stupid thing for them to revise. Like to what? Especially like that conversation, especially because they're the only two people in the room, <laughs> right? So like, there's no real reason for them, for him to pretend, right? In season, um, in let's see, season three, episode like ten or something, Garcia when when Garcia gets shot, right? There's some guy is like, yeah. JJ, do you even know why she joined the FBI? And JJ's like, no, but it doesn't matter. Which one, why would JJ not know how she joined the FBI? Great. Two, okay, so it's a secret. We're not supposed to know that Garcia is a super secret hacker. But Derek knows. Derek was literally in the room. (laughs) Why would he be like, so why'd you join the FBI? (laughs) Literally, it's it's season, they also, like, they fully revise this history in season, I think it's season nine that we get that, the Black Queen episode, where it's, yes. like, fully, where it's fully her backstory. And you learn that she did not join the FBI because she flunked out of medical school. She joined the FBI because she got caught hacking, and this was the way that yes. they were, like, as long as you stick by our rules, you're good. Which also, 1,000% would never happen, but that's fine. <laughs> I mean, it is it is a thing that, like, mostly for, like, companies. Companies will hire hackers to, like, test security for to, them. To test so, but I don't know that the I FBI... I feel like they, the FBI, though, like, wouldn't let her just, like, fly solo like this in commanding like helping a team i don't know that just feels unrealistic to me but we'll get to that later because there's so much shit that happens even at the end of the first season there's like some shit that happens and you're like why are you in the fbi (laughs) (laughs) this is that this is our first glimpse that's our first glimpse of how everyone on this team is secretly like all cops are bad (laughs) except for Derek. yeah literally everybody on this team secretly thinks all cops are bastards and that's okay and we love them for it we do um i have an yeah reed is hardly in this episode reed is barely in this episode we never see him on screen he's here for like five minutes and that's it yeah that was very odd it must have had to do with matthew's health but it was still like they just kept being like reed sent me this email Reed said this, but he's just like not in the episode at all, which he's was an there. interesting choice. Yeah. They get better about that, I think, in later episodes where they're like, this character is consulting on a case in a different city. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like they're like, okay, whatever. <laughs> sure. Yeah, when they come up with like actual reasons for the BAU to be gone, except for just just like they've disappeared. They're always like, yeah. yeah, he's consulting on something, yeah. you know, somewhere else, which is like an actual thing the FBI does. So it tracks a lot more for me than just like, well, he's here, but for like seven seconds. Bye. Right. <laughs> Bye. Bro? Okay. So, okay. Back to our episode description. Okay. Yes. They go to Palm Beach. They're reconstructing the bomb. They're talking to people. And then um, Garcia helps morgan finished putting the bomb back together and they realized that this is the same kind of bomb that adrian bale the boston bomber used and we know from the first two episodes that this is the the boston bomber is the man that gideon caught but also killed six agents and we finally kind of learned the full story where like gideon caught the guy and then the he asked Adrian Bale, like, oh, are there any more bombs in the building? And Adrian Bale's like, no. So Gideon's like, cool, and just sent six agents in and it exploded and killed them all. <laughs> yeah. Which bonkers. <laughs> just conceptually bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> Jason Gideon's whole deal is so weird. 
Okay, let's take a moment to talk about Jason Gideon. Let's talk. Let's take a moment. Jason Gideon, we learn later, started the BAU with yes. David Rossi. Mm-hmm. They are Mind Hunter. Yes. <laughs> I, I watched that later episode where it's like him and Rossi like driving around, and I was yeah, like, this so is Mind Hunter. <laughs> I think that's a very fun episode, though. Yeah. And much better yeah. than Mind Hunter, the actual show is. I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> Young Jason Gideon is Corey from. Boy Meets World, which I, I did laugh out loud at. Um, yeah, so he, we find out they've started it. Rossi left to write, write books, books and, and get rich. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Literally and just Gideon left stayed. to get rich, which like, God, I wish. I wish. Um, but that means that Gideon has been at the BAU for like 30 30 yeah. plus years? Yeah, because that was in the 70s. So yeah, 30 plus years about. So that's just like, no wonder. Like when you really think about him doing this, like you watch like, you know, people doing this for like a year, they're like, I have to leave. And then Gideon like 30 years later is like, if I lose one more fucking person, I am going postal. <laughs> and you're like, I'm I get gonna- it. I'm gonna just fuck off and live in a cabin in the woods. Like, fuck all y'all. I'm gonna go. Yeah. I'm yeah. done. And yeah. you know what? Now that you mention it, that does make a lot more sense for how on the edge Gideon seems at all times. He is constantly on the brink of losing his shit. And yes. I don't know if this is just like a choice like Mandy Patinkin made. And he was like, I'm gonna make the most like on the edge of losing it motherfucker. And everybody's just going to be okay with that. But, like, he did. Gideon is always on the edge of just, like, losing his shit. He looks like he's my drunk uncle from, like, family reunions. And he's, like, one bad round of cards away from just, like, losing it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Also, like, it it makes sense as to why he, like, doesn't bother explaining shit ever like he stares at the whiteboard and he's like okay i got it and then he just like walks away and solves it and everyone else is like dude we're a team (laughs) and he's like he's like i was doing this literally spencer before your parents were married uh, much less you were born spencer the child like and morgan they i don't think they ever say how morgan is old morgan is supposed to be but i feel like he's probably like early 30s mid 30s You know, he's like so a he little bit also, older than Reed, but yeah. Yeah, I think because Reed's like 24. We learned that early on. I think that's the next episode. Reed's like 24. JJ's like 27. Garcia has to be in there because they're the three youngest. Yeah. That's what JJ says at some Let's point. See. And then. Oh, no, they do give us a birthday, actually. Looking on the oh, for... Criminal Minds fandom wiki. Thank you, Criminal Minds fandom wiki. From Morgan? Uh, he was born in 73. So for Morgan, uh, so that would make oh him- yeah, because he's only three years younger than Emily. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that makes him. T- Hodge's age in this show is a subject of big debate because they change it a couple of times, but both options make him younger than Emily Prentice. <laughs> Whoa! No, he's only no. Yeah, no, this yes. is wrong. Right? They're saying that his fucking birthday is 71 which means yeah which makes him a year younger than emily prentice but he was he was working for her mom before she even went to grad school so like in what world is he a year younger yeah hotch's age is just okay wait okay we gotta go back to talking about gideon yeah okay it makes sense and that here's the other thing about gideon that i don't know if you'll agree with me on this he looks like he is two steps away from calling me slurs at any given point in time no i mean i mean i know he uh, would never i know mandy patinkin would never because mandy patinkin's right. a very good person i love him to yes. death jason gideon kind of looks like he would call me slurs jason gideon would say that like it's your choice to live however you'd like but personally he just can't agree with it 
he looks like he's two steps away from calling me a dyke at any given point in time. Yeah. And that's fine because he yeah. grew up in the late 70s. But like, bro, that's not nice, man. <laughs> I'm I mean, sorry. Just... It's just like true. He just looks like he's two steps away from calling me slurs. I mean, just the face he makes in episode two when the guy's like, I'm actually gay. And he just goes, oh. And then he just runs away. And bolts. <laughs> If you have nothing stop, nice to he say, he was trying to not call that guy slurs. That's why he uh, ran away. Oh, poor Gideon. You know, honestly, like the Criminal Minds fandom, I'm sure somebody has come up with like a homophobic Gideon like storyline before, right? Ah, sure, probably. It's just, um, I just think he looks like he's two steps away from calling me slurs. And I'm sorry about just, that, but I'm not wrong. He's just very angry. Yeah, exactly. And angry white men are always, like, two steps away from calling you slurs. Yeah. Also, another thing about his character that I think is very interesting, you know, religion kind of comes up fairly often in Criminal Minds in terms of the characters, like, who is and who isn't. But Gideon is the only one who can straight up, I mean, besides... Reese, uh, Reed, who doesn't count. Gideon is the only one who can straight up quote the Bible, like verses, line numbers. Like he is like, I have the Bible memorized front to back, so don't even try me. <laughs> Which is an interesting choice, I think, for, for Gideon. A very disillusioned law enforcement agent. No, it's weird. His whole, his whole thing is so fun because this episode he goes to interact with his nemesis. Adrian Bell. Yes. And he it's just like Gideon does this thing when he's talking to when he's talking to like perps, right? Where he's just like he looks so just like he looks like he would rather be anywhere else. Yeah than there talking to that guy and like yeah i mean like i get it yes i would also rather be anywhere else other than talking with this bomber but he just like looks so disinterested and i half expected adrian bale to be like hey are you like good do you want to be here like we can do this some other time if you need like he just looks so disinterested and like i get it but damn y'all damn gideon look a little bit excited about your work it's interesting you know <clears throat> Something I will say that's, that is very nuanced about Gideon is I feel like when he comes back to the BAU, he's very much that person who is like, this is the thing that I have always done. This is the thing that I have dedicated my life to. I've given up getting married. I've given up having children. I've done it all for this. And I don't like it anymore. But what other options are there for me? You know, like that's very much like what Gideon feels to me. And I think that's why, like, even though he is like fucking ridiculous i think that's why i like do enjoy his character and i do find him interesting because he like you know hotch is is a younger gideon hotch is like i've got a wife i've got kids i'm making it work i'm doing the thing that i love like it's going great and then gideon is like 20 years later being like this job has taken everything from me but i can't not do it you know yeah, and that like throws a little bit of different light on when Hotch does leave. And so you're like, oh, so Gideon, so Gideon could have just done this instead of just fucking off to live in the woods. <laughs> Gideon could have just left. I think that's, yeah, like Gideon could at any time have retired. Rossi did. And you made know? a shit ton on books, apparently. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this in terms of like the the way the characters react every time somebody leaves the team by choice, they're like, this is a personal betrayal to me. <laughs> to me personally. you Yeah, and it's you. like, and it's like, I get it. You guys are very close. You spend all of your time together. But like, none of these characters view this as like a job. Like them, them doing this it's who they are as people. So when, like, you show up and you're like, I'm part of the team, like, trust me, like, we're going to do this together, we're in it together. And then you're like, actually, I don't think I can handle this by the characters are like, what did we do that made you want to leave us? And they're like, they I'm just quitting my job. Like jealous exes. They're like, what did we do? 
we could have yeah. what did we why did we not work like bro it's literally like that bro sometimes people just don't want to hunt serial killers every day because it's like hard as fuck yo like yeah. there's something fundamentally wrong with you that makes you keep doing this job consistently and we get that it's okay and then and Gideon just fucks off and lives in the woods like i know <laughs> also like it's interesting because i think with the exception of emily and I'll, and I'll say why in a moment, but every character that leaves never gets mentioned again. Yeah. Never. They are dead to the team. Emily, yeah. they mentioned because she works for fucking Interpol, so that like three times they mention her, it's like, Emily sent us a contact, or like, Emily sent us a file. You know, but other than that, she's dead to us. Or because they thought she was dead, yeah. Or because they literally thought she was dead to them, yes. <laughs> Um, okay, we interview Adrian Bale. Elle goes to interview David Walker, who's the antiquities dealer from the online chat room. And it turns out that he is, in fact, the unsub. Almost runs her over. He runs over his own wife. Yeah. Which, like... Poor lady. Is at the same time, though... At the same time, she was like, I hope he doesn't commit suicide because then I can't collect life insurance. That whole thing was so bonkers. Like... Look, that whole interaction that Elle and the wife had is so crazy. She's just like, word of advice, don't marry the first guy who proposes. I wanted to put a pool table back here, but this is David's workshop. I hope he's not committing suicide. And Elle is just standing there like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, what this episode <laughs> this episode feels so different because we're getting those drops of that shit not so bananas criminal minds it's like little hints here and there that you're like more please more please more. and then it just cuts back to like hotch on the phone asking we got for him. updates yeah no it's so <laughs> bonkers Ugh. i cannot i watched this scene and i had to go back I was watching it on Netflix on my phone, so on a tiny-ass fucking screen, and I braved that tiny-ass fucking screen to rewind and watch that 15 seconds over again. Because it was so bonkers, I couldn't not do it. And she just, yeah. like, L gets out of the way, does not make any attempts to pull the wife out of the way of the car. Nope, and none. Just, like, the wife just gets bodied by this fucking car. He stops, she rolls off to the side, and then he goes again. And then Elle starts shooting. Like, what? And then Hotch, Hotch shows up and is like, Elle, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. And he's like, I'm really? Fine. His wife did get hit by a car, though. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Uh, that's that like bad shit Elle does. Elle is like, I don't give a fuck about anyone who's not me. <laughs> and that's honestly why I love her, because she was just looking like <sighs> Yeah. Um, yes. So they figure bonkers. out it's him. Bonkers. They figure out it's him. He gets away. Also, they go back to the did precinct. you notice? Did you notice? Hmm. He took the time while running over his wife. He took the time to close the garage door, so they had to break in another way to that little workshop. Oh my god. Do you god. realize that? He took That's the time so to petty. close the garage door. That is so petty. That is so fucking petty. He literally stopped his wife, rolled off the windshield, he clicked the little garage door thing, and then continued on his way to commit more crimes. <laughs> like, what? Oh god. And then they go into the workshop, and Elle's just touching things, just picking things up. Stuff. Everyone's just moving stuff around, whatevs, no gloves. <laughs> but also, like, at that point, like, you know it's that dude, right? So yeah, it's kind I mean, of yeah. like a moot point of, like, we can't continue. But they this still have to, like... But they still have to process Prove it that. in court. Yeah. <laughs> like, if they go to court and they're like, okay, you may have, like, caught the guy red-handed, but, like, there's literally no uncontaminated evidence. So, like, it's circumstantial, I guess. You know? <laughs> well, they would go to court. If he didn't blow himself up later. Right. So we'll talk about that later. They go to the precinct. A guy walks in with a bomb strapped to him being all like, they, it's not me. Don't shoot me, please. Did they ever describe? Is that just like a dude from the street? Yes. Like, what's that dude's deal? Yeah. He said that the he said that um, David Walker put a gun to him and made him put the collar and the bomb on and then sent him into the precinct. I bet David Walker just like parked. 
and then like while he was walking to that office building that he ended up in just kind of like picked a dude I love that they just like don't describe that dude's deal at all he doesn't get to say anything about his character he doesn't get to be like please I have kids at home please help me no they're just like no he's just like he's just like I don't want to die and a bomb to my chest help please and that's it this guy says no lines that aren't am I gonna die that's his only line that he says repeatedly Uh, and he's so sweaty like I know that he's like terrified I know he's terrified but I just kept thinking like those are wires. Like you're very sweaty near those wires. Yeah, like, like this is that not the do situation something? to be sweaty in. I'm so sorry, bud, uh, but like, can you stop being sweaty? How <laughs> yeah. hot was that police station that he was actively moist the whole time? Yeah, I mean, there's like never sweaty, and then there's like dripping sweat. And he was like right. dripping sweaty. He was moist as a person. Yeah. He was moist. Yeah. So Walker sends him in with demands, which are like a helicopter. And like passport and like some money, um, and they figure out a sniper spots him in the office across the street. That's yeah. how they find him. There's just like a sniper who's like, oh, yes. <laughs> literally, this sniper yeah. looked through two windows and found him. Yeah. Also, would you have sent if there was a bomb in the building? Why the fuck would you send somebody up to the roof? Like that whole shit's like. Oh unsafe as fuck right like we know that these bombs don't have a particularly big blast but if that thing hits one pillar wrong that whole building's going down why the fuck are you sending people on the roof in that situation they like put him in i did not understand i did not understand the containment that they put him and the bomb diffuser guy in it was like a room with the glass i assume bulletproof glass windows explosion resistant yeah and then he's like in like a shark tank. Yeah. They put this man I, in a fish tank. I assume it's for like shrapnel. But then I was like, is it the force of the explosion that knocks things over? Or is it the shrapnel? And I remember just like pausing the episode being like, there's still like fire and heat and stuff. Yeah. Like it's good that none of the like bits and bobs will go anywhere but there's still like force it is still (laughs) a bomb still a bomb though so i don't understand but they put him in a cage with another dude also sweaty the bomb guy is also very sweaty how hot was that police station because gosh Everybody was sweating fucking buckets in there (laughs) Um, so then Gideon goes to wherever Adrian Bale is being held, I assume Boston, and brings him back, which has to take a hot second. (laughs) But he goes and he gets him and he flies him back to Florida. And he's like, okay, we're going to make a deal for him to tell us um, how to defuse the bomb. But it's like a super, like, this is a glass resort. Because yeah. they're like, we're going to go get David Walker. He's a bomber. He's a coward. We'll just arrest him. But he's not a bomber. He's a forger. Dun, dun, bum, dun. <laughs> and um, he does blow himself up. Also, he's in, like, a room full of files. And when that bomb went off, I was just like... Hope none of that was important. <laughs> Hope He's in none like of a these... records keeping room. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Um Hotch and L almost got exploded. But Which is don't. Fine. Which is fine, they're fine. They're fine. No biggie. L doesn't give two shits. And like I love that too because as soon as because like <laughs> So, Adrian Bale's one, like, regret in life was getting caught and, like, turning himself in. So, he's like, whatever you do, don't. They'll just put you in a fucking box forever. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, that's fair. That's sound advice. I feel like y'all should have known that walking into the building with the bomber, but I love that you didn't because it was very dramatic. And then 
Gideon just like calls Hotch and he's like, get out, get out now. And he's like, all right, yeet. Like he leaves. (laughs) And they manage to turn like a tiny corner. And I actually do like this shot where it's like the explosion coming out of that file room. And then it's just Hotch and Elle vibing on the corner. Like that's all they do. I actually really enjoy that shot because it's like low key, very cinematic. But it's just like, what's up there? (laughs) Yeah. Like, y'all just, like, got around a corner, and then you were like, okay, I'm fine. Like, you didn't also, go any further away? What? Also, that bomb that he blew up, same bomb strapped to that dude's chest, right? So if this bomb didn't need a cage, why does that bomb Don't need a cage? Don't question the fish tank that they put that poor man in. <laughs> Don't question. You know what? Now I'm thinking they put that poor guy in a sauna. They were just gonna try and make him slippery <laughs> enough that they could just he could just slip out of it. Whoop, right yeah, out exactly. Of it. Just like whoop, it's fine. <laughs> that man was so sweaty. Oh, poor guy, poor guy. Um, okay, Gideon brings Adrian Bale to Florida again. How long is the flight from Florida to Boston and back? It's a long they only bomb had time. Like three hours or whatever, but like that's fine. Like, was he not in 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 Boston? He's the Boston bomber. Was he not in I Boston? Mean, but also, Florida is a very long state. Florida is a very long state. That whole it's, seaboard, deceptively long. It's an hour from Miami to Tallahassee. So unless he was in, like, Georgia, they're not getting back in time, okay? Yeah. I you don't know, understand. Don't question it, because time doesn't exist in criminal minds until they need it to. Yeah. So, Adrian gets there. They make this whole deal, whatever. And he's sending that. He's like, yeah, you're going to cut the red one. And they're like, are you sure? And he's like, yeah, the red one for sure. And Gideon's like, cut the black one. <laughs> and they cut the black one and it, boom, diffused. And it and Hotch is all like, how'd you know? And Gideon's like, Adrian told me. He said that if he had the choice, he would always push the button. So he told them the one that would set the bomb off. Which is just bonkers. Which, like, I, I guess I get, like, it's a compulsion, right? Like, that he, like, yeah. has to set the bomb off. But Gideon didn't tell anyone else that. Yeah, literally let nobody else know that. So can you imagine being the other people in that fucking room where the guy who is going to tell you how to defuse the bomb says, cut the red wire. And then this motherfucker who is unstable as fuck is like, cut the blue one. Can you imagine being any other person in that room? Like, having to look at that and just, like, live with that choice. What? That's bonkers to me. It's interesting because Gideon, I think, is, like, the only character in the show who never gets, like, doubted. Or, like, when people doubt him. They just, like, take him at his word on everything. Yeah, and then if, if people are, like... Gideon I don't think that's right he's like I'm Jason Gideon and they're like oh yeah 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 okay (laughs) you're right you're right I mean he's always right Jason Gideon is like never wrong and I kind of hate that about him he is such an interesting character I wish they had like gone full tilt into either he's some sort of like people reading savant or he's just fucking lucky He's very lucky, cranky old man. Your luck's gonna run out one day, kind of thing, you know? So Gideon brings Adrian back to jail. And when he's putting him back in his cell, he's like, oh yeah, by the way, I told all the other prisoners that you're a huge fucking snitch. Goodbye. And just like leaves all like smiling like. (laughs) He's like, you could say this is a release for me. And then just leaves and never explains that further. It's like, um. What? There's a lot of... I will turn a blind eye to some of Criminal Minds' abuse of power nonsense. I Some of it I will let them get away with. But to know that the good guy, the best guy, is like, hey, I hate you, fuck you, I will have you killed in prison. Goodbye, this feels real good for me, bye. Like, excuse it's me? bonkers! It is... It is buck fucking wild that they're just like yeah this is fine this is our good guy hey do you like this guy hey you should like this guy this is the best guy like no no he's He's not not even he's not even like portrayed as like 
morally gray. You know, like Hodge has the whole like foyer thing. Emily's always like morally gray. That's like her whole shtick. Mm -hmm. Like, um, Reed has some of that. Like there are P uh, Penelope with her hacking. Like there are characters that have that ongoing conversation of like, what wow. does it mean to be a good person? Yeah, yeah, like law versus good. Like they have that. Jason Gideon, not one of those characters. Not Always the good guy, except for this. And like he does shit like this so often too. It's like this is like Ugh. his whole thing. They're like he's a good guy who doesn't play by the rules. I'm like, okay, so he's not a good guy. And they're like, no, 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 he's the best guy. He is gonna have this man murdered in prison. But don't worry, he's the good guy. Like what? I I really wanted to be like Criminal Minds, okay? As a show about cops, you are on thin fucking ice already. But when you do shit like this, I cannot like this character anymore, okay? Yeah! I cannot like this person. Stop it! Maybe just, in 2005 it was cool, but it does not hold up. I don't think it was cool up. then either. It's just, it is so bonkers to me that this was the good guy for two-ish seasons this was the good guy also and, he like we said he's been doing this for 30 years how right? many other so people like, have gotten murdered in prison because gideon called him a snitch like i get it like yes i do hate adrian bale and yes i do would i would also like him to die but i am not going to kill him that's not my job Gideon, that's not your job to have him murdered. It's, it is just so, it's just so bonkers to me. I don't know. It's so. <sighs> Bro, this yep. was 2005, huh? We had a very different attitude about police back in 2005, huh? I mean, I think what we're learning here in 2020 is that some people had a very different attitude toward police. Correct. And, and some people some people always been new. Yeah. Hollywood <laughs> always was like, yeah, the police are the good guys. And now everybody is like, why are the police always the good guys? They're not the good guys. And Hollywood was like, oh, uh, uh, uh. I got angry at Emily Prentice in season like 13, okay? I had to say, Emily you're doing this wrong. This is bad. You can't do this, okay? And if I can get upset at Emily Prentice for something, you know shit's bad, okay? Yeah. They continue this all the way up until now, Criminal Minds. Criminal Minds is just so fun in that they are a cop show that hates cop shows, but they're also a cop show, so they can't hate cops. You right, know? exactly. Like, you can, they can build themselves as a cop show that hates cops as much as they'd fucking like, but they're still a cop show, so you can't hate cops, you know? Like, you can yeah. do as you say, not as you do, but, like, bro? <laughs> but, like, bro? and, and I, I won't spoil too much, but the whole, like, Spencer prison arc, right? <laughs> All it did was, like, it's like before that when they're like we're a team we're gonna do whatever it takes we're like here for each other you're like yes best friends do it and then they get to the prison arc and you're like okay listen like i know he didn't do it but like you can't just like delete evidence and shit <laughs> i get it you're a team you're his family you gotta do whatever it takes for family okay whatever but like also, though, you kind of are the government, and you kind of can't just do things like this. Yeah. And that's how I feel about this episode. I mean, it's not quite about, like, the team yet, but it's still, like, yes, it does feel good to see this terrible person be put in his place. But... Also... It doesn't... You can't just... You can't just government. do that. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're law enforcement, you know? <laughs> anyway all cops are bad anyway yeah all cops are fucking <laughs> bastards including jason gideon and all of our lovable children at the uh, bau why do they have to be cops i don't know man 
We should finish talking about this episode of Criminal Minds. Oh, yeah. I guess so. Um, okay. They don't say wheels up, but they do say meet at the airstrip in 20. So... It doesn't roll off the tongue as much as wheels up does. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's just like... But... We're getting there in the right direction. We're getting there. That is true. We are getting there. It is unfortunately still going to be a little frowny face on our wheels up yes. like, checklist. But Oh, I, I do want to talk about JJ for one second because we didn't talk about her at all. Um, Like I said, iconic pink blazer right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Love it for her. Iconic. Yeah. And then she goes with them. Mm -hmm. This is the first time she goes with them. Mm-hmm. But she's still barely in the episode. Yeah. She's in it for, like, one scene. Okay, this is the, like, peak media liaison JJ, where she's talking to people while texting, walking from room to room, always texting, never looks up off her phone, just like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. What do you need? Okay, back to texting. It's, like, peak media liaison JJ. <laughs> it's also so fun that they just like tell us things about JJ where like they meet the detective at the scene and the detective's like oh yeah I met Agent Giroux she took over my entire station and they're like she does that that's our JJ I'm like <laughs> no visual no no that's like after this I feel like it's probably gonna start in like two or three episodes but after this we start getting the like we have arrived at the precinct JJ does her obligatory, nice to meet you, we spoke on the phone, my name is Agent Jarrell, and then they're going over here now, and then we get that. But this is literally just like, yep, she's bossy, and then we're done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is how it reads. I think this was also a matter of, like, they're trying to find out, they're trying to figure out what the fuck to do with some characters. They're yeah. like, we know that we need this person to make it work, to have, like, a woman on the show. <laughs> We need to have more than one woman on the show. Okay, so yeah. we'll make it the tech person, and then also, like, the, and then also the, like, media girl. Okay, cool, great, perfect. Also, she's bossy and a bitch. <laughs> and they're just like, this is how women are, right? Right? But also, like, JJ is bossy and bitchy, and I, I love that for her. JJ is full of rage and she i is, love that for her she is so angry all the time and i'm like all the yeah, time me too, dude me yeah. too jj is just constantly ready to fight and i love that for her and you can even see that even in like these early episodes where her rage is more carefully concealed even in these ones she's always like okay well i'm the federal agent you're just a policeman do get us a spot make some coffee yeah like, I love even in, like, the early episodes where, like, she's not on the edge of, like, losing her shit all the time <laughs> before everything happens. She's yeah. always just like, okay, well, I've done this a million times before, and you're 23 and barely a detective. Calm the fuck down, boy. And it's so fun. It's just so yeah. fun. It's so great because I can tell that she's supposed to be the, like, cute character for all the guys watching to like crush on but then they made her like angry she really doesn't like men anytime yeah. someone calls her pretty she's like fuck you like <laughs> all of the women on this show hate men so goddamn much <laughs> have you noticed yeah, that all they of the all women do. on this show hate men so much yeah i feel like penelope is like the exception but only the men that she knows yeah like yeah every time emily or l or jj, <laughs> JJ. get hit on by a man they're always just like and and what I'm, and what about I'm, it lover boy i'm so sorry i'm a federal agent i'm so I'm sorry, so sorry. <laughs> uh leave <laughs> like literally yeah. like it's so fun that you can tell the fucking criminal minds showrunners they were like okay we have to have like some women here and they're like okay cool what should their things be okay well this one it comes from the sex crimes unit she's a real hard ass she's flies by her own rules you know she's doing her shit and then this one right this is the media liaison she's the one who works to you know make everything work right and they're like, okay, what is their personalities? They all hate men so goddamn much. <laughs> like, they all just hate men. 
fundamentally hate men. It's God, it's so good. And I just want to like tell AJ Cook, like, thank you for making this your primary character choice. Is that JJ's always busy, always annoyed at people, hates men. Love that for you. And like <laughs> it's also kind of evident, like when Elle is talking with um the wife of the wife who eventually gets run over by her own husband. Um oh, yeah. when the wife is like word of advice don't don't accept the first the first guy to propose and then you can see on Elle's face you can just see it there that she's like bro i'm gay i am not gonna accept a man anyway like it just was so fundamentally like whenever somebody would try and talk to me about like men or boys i was just like blank and that's yeah. just Elle in that scene she's just like uh no I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Like it's just also, this so is the episode, bonkers. This, this is the episode where Elle and JJ are like talking to Hotch and Hotch is like, Oh yeah, we like gotta look at boyfriends, you know, boyfriends can be like tough and then Elle and JJ just like make eye contact and they're both just like, Yep. Uh-huh. Boyfriends, tough. Oh, oh, men. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Men. <laughs> Also, I learned recently, and I didn't I didn't pick up on this when I watched the first season, but apparently people totally think that Elle and JJ were, like, hooking up that oh, yeah. first season. Oh, yeah. And now that I've rewatched it, I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Elle, <laughs> it's just, Elle's, Elle's, like, disgusted with men gay energy is just so fucking fun. It's part of why I yeah. like her more now rewatching it. Like, I'll admit, she was just, like, there the first time I watched it. That's fine. But, like, this time through, I'm, like, going in with the lens of, like, she hates men and she's gay. And I'm just like, okay, no, everything <laughs> tracks way more now. I like this yeah, a yeah, lot yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, and I, when I first rewatched, I was like, oh, Gemily, you know, pipe dream. Like, oh, I wish JJ had gay vibes. And then I rewatched it and I'm like, nah, bruh. <laughs> she's got them gay vibes, though. <laughs> <laughs> she does. They just, every time, I love every time... I love the way Hotch has to interact with his gay daughters because <laughs> it's just so fucking fun to be just like hardcore, like dad vibes. He's like, what's up? I'm Agent Hotchner. These are my two gay daughters. And he's just like, every time he like mentions a man around them, he so quickly jumps off the subject. He's always just like making sure they go to safety first. And I'm just like, <laughs> Hotch. You love your gay daughters. You love all your gay daughters, hot. It's just so so fun. Yeah. I love Hotch and Rossi as like the dads. Not even like in a gay way. They're just like co-dads of the team. No, they are definitely like when they, when we get to, when does Rossi come in? Season three? Three. Something like that. Yeah. Um, When Rossi comes in, I love he and Hotch's like co-parent dynamic. It's so fun. We should talk uh, also, about this episode three, though. This episode three? Oh, yeah. Do we have anything well, left we, to talk about in this episode? Have we uh, kind of hit it all? Yeah. We've got. We said if they did reels up, we've got to do our our rating system. Yeah. What are you gonna rank this episode? Because I don't like this like case. I don't like this unsub. It felt very flat. But I do love what this episode did for like character stuff. So like, this is not a good unsub. But it's a good episode because it feels like a season five episode, you know, in that like, yeah. they just do some bonkers character shit. And you're like, <laughs> OK, anyway, like, <laughs> I'll give the episode like a four and the case like a three. Oh, shit. You're going real low, huh? This is not an episode. I'm going to be like, I'm going to rewatch a season one episode and then I pick this. You know, it's, like, not bad. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair, I guess. Um, I'm, I actually really enjoyed, like, this episode. I did just hate everything else so much. <laughs> no, I mean, I... If I had... I, I would give this episode, like, a five. I think it's a very middle-of-the-road, like okay, yeah, you were doing some things. You yeah. did some things. You solved some crimes. Good job, <laughs> little crime boys. Um, and this, just like the unsub fell so flat. But like, I also, I kind of like it because they're just like, Gideon is gonna murder somebody in jail. 
And you're going to have to just live with that forever yeah. now. And if they don't go back to it, you never know if what happens to Bale. <laughs> Schrodinger's, Schrodinger's Schrodinger's Adrian Bale, Bale basically. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. It's just bonkers to me. <laughs> that line still, I watched that episode two hours ago. It's still bonkers to me. Yeah. So what are you going to give the case? I mean, like, I kind of, I feel like with this one especially, they really kind of intertwined them quite well. Like, the case, everybody was working on it and while having their own character moments. So, like, mm -hmm. even though it falls a bit flat, like, case-wise, like, the character stuff is still so intertwined with it. I'm just going to give it, like, a five overall. I think it's okay. fine. I think it's just, like, it's just that, though. It's just fine. Yeah. It's not, like, bad, but it is just fine. Because you can see where they, like, start to sprinkle in, like, this is a workplace comedy. But, like, they don't do it well <laughs> enough, but they also don't do it super poorly, because I still have a great yeah. time watching Garcia play on her stupid little Nintendo DS. That's true. <laughs> I just, I know there are episodes that I'm going to give a fucking, like, 10 out of 10 to. So, in season one, I know is my least favorite season, so I'm yeah. just keeping them low. Because I don't want to, like, give it, like, a 7, and then give, like, a season nine episode of seven and say they're the same because yeah. they're not i feel like with this we're gonna have to definitely be like this is a season one middle of the road this is good yeah. for season this is like fine for season one yeah if this was any other season i would not be kind this is also why we're ranking the seasons True. from best to worst and we're you also know. gonna kind of have to reckon with that once that occurs <laughs> yeah